Great, yeah. So like I said, we just came back. Gert and I and Ursula also joined and a couple of others, Devilt, uh, from Sri Lanka. We're going to share lots of stories next week, Sunday, and maybe in, in the sermon today also add in a few. But what we've seen is that God is faithful in touching His church to touch the world. That is His modus operandi. Is he, want, he wants to touch His people and then He's going to touch the world. And it was great just talking to the leaders on that side. They, they said, wow, what an opportunity time. What a great opportune time. Do you think of, hey, God's, because I don't know if you've seen the news with Sri Lanka, there are fuel shortages, there are protests. They don't do protests like we do. They took us to the area where they do protests. And there was a couple of gazebos, people sitting there in front of the government buildings. Not, they didn't trash the streets. There was nobody toy-toying and screaming aloud and, and awful things, just a couple of people sitting there. Um, and uh, they were saying, wow, what an opportune time for the church to rise up and to preach the gospel. Because for the first time ever, the, the people of Sri Lanka realized that the Buddhist government is not the answer. So I want you, if you can just, if you can join us and just pray for the nation. Say, Lord, you want to use this crisis. Because they've had the COVID crisis just like we had. But now they have this economic crisis. Apparently they're second, um, second to uh, Zimbabwe with inflation currently. And the church is saying, hey, let's rise up. Let's save more souls. Let's disciple more people in a nation less than I think 2.5%, less than 3% are Christians in, in that nation. If you think of South Africa, we claim to have um, up to 70% Christians in our nation. Less than 3% of their nation are Christian. One of the pastors that we worked with, he was literally the Buddhist monks came into his church. They built a beautiful church. Some of the people in this congregation actually contributed to this church. So a church is anything from... a uh, hall that they rented um, from just a normal commercial space to mostly just a roof next to their house. So that's often how they build churches. So this guy built a beautiful church, and then the monks came, and he, they abused and uh, kind of persecuted them in a physical, physical way. And when we arrived there in that week, there was a court case, and he won the court case, court case against the Buddhists. So Beautiful things happening. So please keep on praying for Sri Lanka and uh, also come next week. You'll hear a lot uh, of the testimonies, etc. Great. So this, this uh, month we're starting with a sermon series called For the Sake of Eternity. And the idea is to give us a perspective on life that's really important. I sense now in this time that we're living in, everything that's happening is that we need to have the right perspective on life. And that life is, it's an eternal journey. It's not a journey for 50 years or 80 years. Or if, you, if you're lucky and your genes are, are, are lacquer, then 120 years. No, it's a journey for eternity. And eternity, we cannot grasp it with our minds. But eternity is a very, 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 very long time. And we're going to live for that long time. Whether you like it or not. You don't have a decision. You don't have a choice in this. You're going to live for that. So we are asking this question, is God, if we have a perspective, the perspective of eternity, and we look through that lens into our lives and into the world, 
how will we live differently? And we see that all throughout Scripture, Jesus and the writers of Scripture is holding this lens before us and say, hey, maybe you're suffering now, but just wait, wait, just keep on going, persevere, endure. Why? Because there's still eternity. There's still a long time. And it's just great also speaking to the people in Sri Lanka because for them, they're a poor nation. They, they think that, that we are rich, and they, but they're they very, very poor, very much, very poorer than South Africa. And for them, it's like, wow, we want to make the most of this time here on earth because we know that there is eternity. It's actually, if you understand eternity, if you understand and you have an eternal perspective, it's very comforting. It's like, so I love endurance sports. So a couple of years ago, somebody challenged me to, uh, a friend challenged me to do the Ironman with him. It was in, two, I think, 2000, 2007. So my brother and I enrolled for the Ironman. It was my brother's first ever triathlon. <laughs> That's how we get in these do it. Hey, let's just go for the biggest one. Let's skip off Ironman, normal, normal triathlon. Let's just go for the, for the Ironman. And uh, that discipline that you put in to work hard and to build up endurance in your muscles, but also in your heart and your lungs, that often is, it's difficult. But if you can see the prize, if you can see, wow, at the end, I will be called the Iron Man. And I'll have some, some tips with my friends and my friends would say, wow, wow, you're so amazing. Wow, that's great. Then, then you can endure the difficult time, but just how much more should we as Christians endure this time that we're living in if we understand that the end in that space where we die and we get ushered into the presence of Lord Almighty, we get this approval, this voice of affirmation saying, hey, well done, good and faithful servant. Now you're going to be with me for eternity and it's going to be great. It's going to be joyful. It's going to be full of peace. Yes, you might do some work, but it's not going to be in the way that you've done it through your life here on earth. So it's very comforting to Christians. It should be a horrible thought if you're not a Christian. Think of, wow, for eternity, where? And we're also going to look at that during, so, during this series. So we want to talk about bold and truth for the sake of eternity. There's a couple of scriptures that talk about how our works will be exposed at the end. So what you do, how you build. I believe all of us, we are thinking about our lives and we're thinking, hey, how can we build something that will leave a legacy? Who have you ever thought of that? So I want to do something. I want to live in a way that when I'm gone, it will still remain. In, in business terms, we talk about succession management. We talk about, hey, so if you're gone, what's going to happen to what you've built? And I think that's a good question. How can I build something that will last for eternity? And Scripture says that, that the works of our hands will be exposed. So Matthew 3.12, it speaks of a John the Baptist saying, Jesus will come and he will baptize with the Holy Spirit, but then also with, with fire. And this is what will happen in the fire of his baptism. His winnowing fork in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor 
and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So this idea that he's going to do something, and then the dead works, the things that are worthless, it's going to get burned. So in a way, this can be a negative thought, or it can be a positive thought, depending on where you're sitting with Jesus. So if you're sitting with Jesus, you're like, Jesus, please expose the dead works in my life. Jesus, please expose the chaff in my life. I want all of that to remove. None of that should remain for my children and for my grandchildren. None of that. Please come and remove whatever is wrong in terms of my work. And then 2 Peter 3 verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. So again, this, this revelation of, hey, this was good and this was bad. This was useful and this is going to remain till eternity into eternity, but this won't remain. In Matthew 7, 24, to 27, very well-known piece of scripture, Jesus, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, so there's a key, you must hear and do, then will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on the house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So again, this idea that we can build something and then what, what's happening in life will then determine whether we've built on the foundation or we've built on the sand. And I think all of us sitting here, we're like, hey, we want to build like a wise man. We want to build on the foundation. So how can we build on the foundation? How can we build now in our limited time on earth so that it will remain into eternity? How can we build on earth so that it will be a blessing to our our children, to our grandchildren, to our great-grandchildren. I am in the privileged position that I know seven generations before me came a man, Andrew Murray Sr., followed Jesus to South Africa, and because of what he did and how he built, I'm still blessed. And I'm living under, under that kind of blessing, but also this responsibility to keep on building. God, wow, that's a great foundation, but I want to build even stronger the foundation so that the people that will come after me, that they will also have the kind of blessing that I have. But then I have a couple of cousins, exactly the same lineage, and what I can see is that they are literally taking that foundation for granted, not only for granted, but they're destroying that foundation by choosing not to build on what is wise, by choosing to build on what is worldly and fleshly and soulish. So God's just asking this question, hey, do you want your reward now? Or do you want your reward in eternity where you can look back and like, whoa, look at that. By the grace of God, I had the wisdom 
to build a strong foundation and I was building something and still standing for the generations to come. It'd be great if, if this church exists in 200, 300 years from now and they would be great, great grandchildren of people sitting here and, and they will refer back to, hey, my great, great, great grandfather or my great, great, great grandmother, they didn't have it all together. But what they decided is to build a foundation so that I can be blessed, so that I can have the privilege of knowing Jesus in a fuller way. So how do we do that? How do we build on truth? One, you must know the truth. <laughs> it's very obvious. But you must know the truth. And you must be able to discern between what is true and what is not. Listen to this. John 8, 31, 35. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, there's a key. If you abide in my word. So what is what is the word? So the word has a couple of meanings in Scripture. You get Logos word, which is, which is the word, the Scripture, but it's also the revelation of who Jesus is. Jesus says, I am the word. Then you have Rhema word, which is the word that came through revelation. So the prophetic word and what God's saying and also how God speaks to you through Scripture. That's the Rhema word. You need to abide in those words. And then what will happen? You are truly then my disciples, and you will know the truth, so you will know it intimately, and the truth will set you free. It will set you free from deception. It will set you free from anything that came down your lineage, your family line, that was not the foundation that they should have built on. Freedom is so much more than just getting rid of a few demons and getting rid of your addictions and getting rid of your insecurities. It's also showing and revealing to you what is True freedom, and that's to build on the solid foundation, which is Christ and the Scriptures. And they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, truly I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. He's Jesus speaking to our human nature. All of us born into this world as sinners. And you'll have this, this inclination, this bend in your soul to sin. And while you're doing that, you are a slave to sinner. But then the promise that Jesus also gives, he says, The slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So Jesus is saying like, your sonship, your relationship, you abiding in the Word of God will remain forever. First of all, he speaks about him being there forever, but he's also inviting us into that same kind of relationship that he has with the Father, and that is a sonship or a daughtership relationship. And he says that will remain forever. So point number one, know the truth. And that Greek word for know is gnosko and means properly to know, especially through personal experience. So you need to know through personal experience what the Word of God is. So that means, first of all, the Word Jesus, but then also, secondly, you need to know your Bible. You need to study it. You need to read it. You need to get teachings about it. You need to come to Bible school. You need to come to church regularly so that you can sit under the Word so that the Word can help you so that your perspective on life, so that your 
your soul is bent towards sin, will be changed, will be disciplined, so that you can build the foundation. They will last forever. Anything else will be exposed and burned by fire. So here's this invitation into relationship. And God says, hey, if you abide in my word until you know that you are son and daughter, that will remain forever. Some of us need to get saved again. You need to look at Scripture and say, hey, God revealed to me Scripture in the way that I, I received it when I first came to you. When suddenly your whole world got flipped around and suddenly you realize, well, this is true. I've never been pierced by any other book, any other revelation, but through the Holy Spirit somehow, this book is piercing me the fact that God loves me as a sinner. Have you had that experience? God wants to take away my sin. He wants to forgive me. And then you can't keep it in. You just need to let, you need to let it out. You're just telling everybody. I was saved when I was very, very young. And then I got full of the Holy Spirit when I was at Stellenbosch. And then my brother and I, we are twins. So we went back and we literally, we destroyed everybody with the love of God. Sometimes in an arrogant way because we thought, wow, we have it now. We have the word. But we were so zealous about what God did in our lives because we knew suddenly, wow, we have this perspective. This is the foundation. Yes, you need to learn on how to communicate it, and sometimes it can be very judgmental. You can't just walk around and say, hey, listen here, this is going to burn in fire the way that you're doing it now. If it's a friend, if you have a good relationship, sometimes we need to have that kind of right, that kind of hard conversations. What you're doing now is stupid. Think about it. Your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, they're going to look at you, Opa, and they're going to think, wow, such a stupid decision. And sometimes we need to have that conversation. But if it's not a friend, you need to in love, you need to build a relationship and then trust the Lord for, for breakthrough. Okay, so we need to know the truth. And yeah, I want I want to also comment on our culture. Our culture is you go to school, you get an education, you get a job, and you make money so that you can make a living. That is not biblical. I'm not saying it's bad, but that's not biblical. That's not the purpose of life. The purpose of life is to get educated in truth. So the education system gives us information which contains truth, but that's not the ultimate truth. The ultimate truth is, first of all, Jesus. Second of all, what the Word of God says. And if you combine that with the information that you can gain, whether it's through school, university, or your online Udemy course that you are doing, you're going to change the world. But everything that's not true will be burned up and destroyed. It's not foundation. It's not a strong foundation. It is sand. If you think of it, 12 years we make our kids study hard at school. Some of our kids don't like school. Most kids often would say, no, I don't, I don't even school at it. So, but we say, hey, it's good for you. It's good for you. But somehow when it comes to the Bible... The Word of God, we're like, hey, ach, no, it's fine. As long as you pass, pass maths, as long as you do well in your science, that's fine. You're a good kid, well-behaved, maybe honor your parents a little because it's beneficial to me. But no, we should draw in the truth because it's so part of our foundation. Something that we've been talking about in our house is that kids shouldn't 
It shouldn't always be fun. We love fun in ours, so I told the story, but I would wake up my kids after they went to bed, take them to McDonald's after they brushed their teeth, buy them some ice cream just to reveal to them, hey, there's grace in the kingdom of God, and there's love, and it's fun. God's like that. But it shouldn't always be fun. If my, if my kids tell me, hey, I don't want to do this now. I don't want to take my plate from the table to the dishwasher. I'm going to tell them, hey, you're going to do it. You're going to not do it. It shouldn't always be fun. Because why? Because we have eternal perspective. We're building this foundation. We're building this house. You can see I'm, I want to preach more. We only have a few minutes, five minutes left. Too much hap- happened in Sri Lanka. I'm just trying to get it out. Second, resist temptation. Matthew 6 verse 13. And this is a prayer that I've been praying quite often now these days. And I, I love that Chad actually prayed it for me also. So, and lead Jesus, part of the Our Father. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So what is this temptation? In the context of what we're speaking about. James 1, 14, 15 says this, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by what? By his own desires and enticed. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when, it, when it's full grown, brings forth death. So, so James saying, hey, listen here, there's something that's really evil in you. It's that bend that you need to control, you need to discipline. The bigger part of who you are is image of Christ. That is who you are. That can destroy that desire. But often we are enticed. Often we are tempted by our desires. And then we move away from building on the foundation of truth. And we want to build on falsehoods, on solely's desires. And when you give into that, that desire often, it's not the sin, but when the desire gets uh, birthed or, ta- or is in your soul and it, it germinates, then that's where sin happens. And where, where does sin lead to? It leads to death. In other words, your foundation is wrong. If eternity destroys what you've built, you've built on the wrong foundation. Death. It's death. Mark 4, verse 18 and 19, it's the parable of the sower. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. It talks about the the seed that was sown. They are the ones who hear the word and cares, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires, again that word, for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So here's, here's Christians. They hear the word, the truth. They want to build on the truth, but what happens? The worries, the cares of this world, the desires that we get bombarded with, every magazine, even our education system, even your mom, don't go and be a teacher, rather be an engineer, you're going to make lots of more money. That is unbiblical to say that to your kid. Because what are we doing? We are not allowing for our kids, for the people that are around us, that we are educating to build on the foundation. What is the foundation? We've looked at it already. The foundation is 
relationship with the Lord and the truth. And what does the Bible say about where should you go? Where should you build? The Bible says, listen to the word and then obey the word, the will of God. Rather, hey kid, what is the will of God for your life? Do you know that? No, we don't know that because I'm still a kid. Okay, let's teach you how to hear the will of God for your life. And for some of you, it's going to be, hey, let's make lots of money. Let's build a multinational company and let's make everybody jealous about the amount of money that we have. That could be a biblical purpose and pursuit for your kid, if that is what God has called you to do. Then for the other kids, it could be, hey, lay everything down. Hey, you are a crayon weak rugby player, but God's speaking to you and he says, hey, you will never play rugby again, but you'll rather go and sit in Congo in a mission station and help poor kids. And you just say, yes, you know what? Four generations down the line, the kids are going to say, wow, my great, 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 Granddad built this multinational company and he did it as in obedience to who God says and what God said about him. And the other one is also going to say, hey, my great-great-grandfather, he was radical. He went to Congo and he sat there. He was a great rugby player. He was a big ox of a person. And still he followed Jesus. Wow, I'm living with that kind of responsibility. So do not be tempted. Resist, or you will be tempted, sorry. Resist temptation. You are tempted every single day. But that's the power that we have as Christians. We just like, no devil, that's stupid. That's so stupid. Why would I give away my foundation? Why would I give away my relationship with the word? Jesus. One Timothy six verse six to eleven. So, and a lot of if you read about temptation in the Bible, a lot of it will be around money. Why? Because, like the song says, money makes the world turn around. And all of you, in a way, are doing work to get money to be to put food on the table and to to live life. And it's not wrong to make money. It's not wrong. But there's a lot of temptation in the way that you pursue money. But money, if you utilize it correctly, can change the world under the authority of Jesus, Jesus Christ. Okay, so listen to this, 1 Timothy 6, 6 to 11. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. So you'll carry none of your money out. Nothing. Not your cool Nike sneakers, not your Rolex watch, not your BMW, not your, not your Volkswagen, if you're Blaine, your Beetle. You'll carry nothing out. Not your guitar, nothing. You'll carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which draw drown men in destruction and perdition for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil so it's the love of money it's not money that's the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows but you a man of God flee these things and pursue righteousness godliness faith love patience and gentleness 
So resist temptation. Watch your desires. If it comes, then you just say, no, it is stupid. I want the devil and the demons to come to me and say, hey, Amor, I get so irritated by those people in your church. They keep on telling me I'm stupid. None of my plans work anymore. And then lastly, you need to act on truth. Matthew 7, 24. Everyone then who hears the, these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who build in his house. Build his house, sorry, on the rock. And John 21, verse 6, beautiful of how Jesus tells his disciples, hey, so... You've labored through the night. You didn't catch any fish. Okay, so just throw it to the other side of it. It's ridiculous. But, but why does it bear fruit? Why, are they, why did they struggle to get the nets out because of the amount of fish that they have in there? Why? Because they obeyed and acted on the truth. So sometimes it's going to look ridiculous. Like telling Eva, hey, Eva, so you made 900 rand. Eva, you need to give your tithe to the church now. Looks ridiculous. How can you do that? It's her money. It's going to look ridiculous while a person is top of their class in maths, and now they're just going to be a teacher. This guy has all the rugby talent in the world. He's going to be a missionary in Congo. It will look ridiculous. But if you do it, you're going to see what God has placed in you, and you're going to bear the fruit. Is a, we, had, we had rugby with the little kids yesterday. It's, both very frustrating and very entertaining at the same time. Clyde was also there. He's actually a coach of one of the teams. So there was this, there's, you, often you get this, this guy who's just double the size of all the other kids. But most of the time, this guy doesn't know that he is bigger than the other kids. Somehow in his mind, he's still small as my kids. But then George said that this massive guy, he's probably... It's almost like a meter taller than Nicholas. So all he does is he just walks with the ball. It's like a, and he just cruises through the whole team, and then he scores a try. And so I tell Nicholas, Nicholas, you must laugh, tackle, tackle, laugh. He says, Dad, but he's just too big. He runs over us. But in my mind, I'm like, somehow this guy just realized he has something inside of him. He's just going to act upon it. He's going to use whatever God has given him. He's going to run through and he's going to drakadri. And you know what? If you're sitting in this church, you're like that too. You're massive in this prayer. But if you're not going to act on it, if you're not going to say, hey, I'm going to start building, I'm going to start doing the word of God, then you're going to miss out on the fun and the reward and the bearing fruit part. That's why I love taking people to Sri Lanka. You can ask all of them. So, Luderia from Oetswaring, 
Chi's Afrikaans. So the first Sunday we arrived there, we're like, Luderia, you're going to do a women's conference. Not like a massive women's conference, 50 ladies, probably 50 ladies. What? I've never preached again. I only really got saved last week, November. No, you just, that's what you're going to do. And then she comes back and she says, wow, it's wonderful. God used me. It looks ridiculous to obey God sometimes. But that's how you understand the power of the foundation. I'm so grateful for those difficult conversations, those ridiculous decisions I made, like changing from engineering, which my brother was doing, and I was... I would finish engineering. I love science. I'm good at maths. My mom's a math teacher. My brother's earning a lot more money than me now currently. Second year at, at university, God spoke to me and said, hey, you must go and study theology. And I did it. My parents were like, woohoo! Unlike other parents, they're like, yes, go for it. My mom said, hey, always know. Just go for it. Leave that 120,000 rand that you've spent on engineering for nothing. Just leave it to the side. Let's focus on what God's saying to you. Okay, so we want to build on the truth. So let's stand. The truth is it's already 10 o'clock. Let's build on that. Okay, but this is not, this is not kind of altar call sermon. This is a life change sermon. The truth is, everything that you do will be exposed. But if you think of it from a fear point of view, then you're only going to think of all the negatives that will be exposed. But where I want us to get to is to think of God, we are asking for this. We are asking for that kind of judgment in this lifetime. Lord, I am 53. I want you to expose every foundation in my life that's not biblical, that's not going to last till eternity. Expose it now. And if God reveals to you something, you go to your spouse and say, listen here, we've messed up. We shouldn't have moved to George. We should have stayed in Paris and Ifreistad, or whatever. It might be something like that. Where have I been enticed by my desires? Where have I fallen for temptation? That's love of money, or the way that I think about my kids' education, or, or whatever. Where have I missed the mark? Where have I not pulled the foundation? And God expose that. So let's, let's pray. Close your eyes and just pray that. Say, Lord, expose my wrong foundations. And then just make a commitment in your heart to abide in the word until you realize that you're a son and daughter of the living God. Just stay there. Hear how God speaks his thoughts over you, that he loves you song that Tammy sang. He backs you. He's calling you. And he wants to empower you. And then also ask just for endurance. Say, Lord, even if nothing of my dreams to own a house or
go overseas for, for a holiday or to see this or to do this. And some of those desires are good. None of that happened. It's fine. I just want to be eternity. In eternity, I just want to spend with you. Holy Spirit, we thank you for just the spirit of conviction this morning. We thank you that you're not a, a God with a stick wanting to punish us this morning, but you're a God just inviting us into a relationship with you for us to be true sons and daughters, for us to have an impact in this life, to change George, to change South Africa, the nations, God, and I know there's so much potential in this, God, and I also know that you're giving us permission to follow you wholeheartedly, Lord, to literally, in a very literal sense, just cast the nets to the other side. Lord, we ask in a humble way that you will not lead us into temptation. We want to end well. We want to end well, Jesus. We're in our deathbed. We want to say, hey, kids, don't pray for me anymore. I want to go. I want to, I want to leave this earth. I want to go to my Father in heaven. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so you have some homework to do. Speak to your friends about it. Speak to your small group about it. And then next week, come back. We're going to continue just with the series. And we're specifically going to talk about uh, the impact that we can have in relationship on people and how they will last for eternity. And also, um, we're going to talk about Sri Lanka and what happened there. And then please come back 12 o'clock. It's my birthday party. I'm going to be really offended if you're not here. Not really. But it would be lovely if we have some English-speaking people also after the Afrikaans service. Great. Enjoy. God bless.